Welcome to the Catch Them and Keep Them podcast with Melissa Glennie and Mark Altman. We're here to help you hire, engage, and retain the best talent to help you make your vision a reality. Welcome back, everybody, to the Catch Them and Keep Them podcast. I'm so glad to have you. And Mark, it's always great to see you. How you been? Melissa, I'm doing great. Great to be back here. And uh, listen, it's it's a challenge every day, Melissa. I know for uh, for myself, you know, I have my good days and bad days, but uh, Luckily, today happens to be a good one. How about you? Good. All right, we timed this one right. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> I'm, I'm in the same boat. I'm in the same boat. You know, I, I, I think that, you know, this is actually the discussion I was hoping that we could have today is really timely for what, you know, I've been going through. Because the first three, four weeks even into this quarantining, I felt like, you know, I, I was pretty... Pollyanna about everything like oh there's all kinds of silver linings just embrace it for what it is and last week I did hit a wall and felt like oh god I'm feeling the weight of all of it and how long is this going to keep going on and what's what's it going to look like when we can all finally go back out in the world so uh, but the sun's shining today so I'm, I'm, I'm taking that and Melissa you know one quick thing I I think one of the realizations I made is because of the unknown and because we don't know when this is going to end, I think we can all use that to our advantage because when we keep waiting for something to happen, it's easy to procrastinate and stop doing what we're doing where now it's actually empowered me to say, you know what, I'm just moving ahead and I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. And certainly I'm pivoting, but I think the, the lack of clarity on when it will end, we can use it to empower us to just keep moving. Yeah, yeah. So. You know, I, I'm thinking too, because I was just talking with a client yesterday who they were one of, they, they were actually the first client of mine to shut their doors and they have 400 or so people in their facility and they shut their doors before anyone else was even dis- discussing doing that. The governor hadn't announced anything, but they had a couple of active cases and they just said, we feel like as, a, as an executive team, it's the right thing to do and we'll figure it out. So they, you know, in, in basically a 24 hour period made that, that call that we weren't expecting. But I was talking with them yesterday and they've adapted their processes so that they're continuing to um, interview and they're making hiring you know, moves and onboarding people who are not even, she, we were just talking about how weird it is. She's like, you know, we're, we have people working with us now that I've never actually met in person. Uh, so I'm kind of wondering, you know, the longer that this goes on, what is the likelihood that more businesses will just decide that maybe this will be the new status quo? I, you know, I, I'm curious about your perspective. Do you think there's a chance that more will move away from actual brick and mortar? Well, a couple of thoughts. So first of all, uh, like you, I am seeing some trends where I'm starting to hear people hiring and recruiting again. And one of One of the interesting things, Melissa, that's come out of this to me is um, companies never really have the, I know this is going to sound terrible, and I apologize to our listeners in advance, companies never really have the opportunity to clean house. And this gave a lot of companies the opportunity to kill two birds with one stone. Employees that weren't really pulling their weight, doing their job, were, we all know, we're going to be the earliest to be let go. And when that rehiring is starting to happen now, we're seeing it start to happen now, it's giving a lot of companies the opportunity to reflect and say, hey, now that we got a chance to clean house and reset, what do we need to do differently this time? 
And so I think we're starting to see that emerge where companies are starting to really try to understand, you know, good recruiting strategies, how to bring in the best quality talent. And I, and I think that's starting. And as far as the virtual workplace, Melissa, I do think we're going to see a different workplace, but I think people are going, and I'm curious your take on this, because what I, what I hear a lot of people is I think we're going too far the opposite direction of 180, where people are like, well, everything's going to be virtual moving forward, and we're going to have to adjust, where I don't think that's going to be the case. I think it's going to be a hybrid. And I think the kind of people that we're going to need to find and recruit and bring on to companies are the people that can function in both environments. So when people are together in a face-to-face situation, whether it be with clients, employees, peers, how do you function? And when you're in a virtual environment, how do you function? And frankly, how many people have ever taken the time to really develop that dual skill set? And that's where I think we're headed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and that's a really good point because, you know, I, as I've been thinking about, about the way things have shifted and, and the, um, the lurch that some of the people that I work with were, felt like they were in because their, their teams just were not accustomed to working remotely and it was such a foreign idea. And I, I really feel like it is a different skill set working from home versus working in an office. Um, what, do you, what do you think, you know, your, your business is training and coaching, so I'm curious about, you know, your thoughts on how that skill set differs for somebody who's working in a remote scenario versus somebody that's working in an office setting. Do you see a difference there too? Yeah, I mean, the primary difference I see is you really lose out on the body language element. And I think, you know, when you're on a Zoom screen, I understand you could be staring at someone's face, but the fact of the matter is, that if you're having a meeting with 10, 20, 30 people or more, and you have all those screens, you're not really intently paying attention to one specific person. So I think so many of us, Melissa, in communication depend on body language to really confirm and reaffirm if we're engaging people, if people are truly understanding what we're trying to communicate. So I think your tone, um, your word choice, your ability to actively listen really become more in play as hybrid tools to lead and communicate. So I think, yes, I think it's, it's certainly the body language element. And I certainly think it's the, um, it's really the ability to understand where people are at, because from a resiliency perspective, some people learn differently. And so, you know, you're supposed to, as a coach or a trainer, you're supposed to customize your learning. Some people are visual learners. Some people are experiential learners and there's different styles. But I think that's another aspect is really assessing when you're bringing on talent, what their learning styles, are those learning styles adaptive and what learning styles can actually be developed. Interesting. Uh, you know, I, um, I've been doing some research around Zoom meetings and some stuff came to light for me that I, it totally resonated recently um, because in my business, we would really try to all be together in the same room whenever we had meetings because we did have a hybrid model where we worked from home, but at least once a week, we would try to be in the same room together. And I, I'm guilty of this as the leader of having our meeting time as such where we were coming together to actually think through things together, as opposed to um, preparing for the meeting, 
having assignments to say, come with your, you know, written your decisions on this and, you know, just be prepared to um, back up your thought process. Because, and the reason that this has kind of come to mind for me is because I feel like I'm more protective of my time. You know, if I'm scheduling something uh, through a Zoom meeting, it, it's, it's like, you know, if you're with people for eight hours a day and I can pop over to their desk, but if it's a meeting that we've established in a Zoom kind of platform because we will not have an opportunity to talk face-to-face -face otherwise, you know, during that time, um, you know, I just feel like, geez, this for me has shown, shown a light on how meetings can gen generally just be more effective. And one of the things that I hadn't really given a lot of consideration to is the difference um, or, or the leveling of the playing field that the Zoom meetings and this kind of new model will give to people who process thoughts differently and those who maybe don't think on their feet so well, but, you know, just need a little more time to do deep thinking. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of times meetings can end up being um, the people who the people whose voices are really heard are those who just present very well in a room full of people. And I, I think sometimes others just don't have that same opportunity to have their voices heard um, when, you know, the, there's a constant stream of in-person meetings. Um, I don't know if I'm making a lot of sense, but I just am starting to feel like there could be some benefit in this way. Well, I think I, I think you are. And I think there's two points that are really important coming out of that. One is, you know, salespeople are often taught that they should do way more listening than talking. Anybody who's ever had anything to do with sales knows that. But here's the thing about virtual meetings. I think it is so incumbent upon people running virtual meetings to get participation in feedback, that is so much more of a premium when you're doing a virtual meeting than an in-person meeting. Now, it's important no matter what, but I think to keep people interested in paying attention, knowing that they're staring at their screen, they could be doing other things. So I think the, your ability to engage and get people to feel comfortable participating in a virtual meeting is a huge skill. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Melissa, the one thing you said that really has got me thinking is, when I think of the fundamental skills to being an effective leader, it really comes down to two things. One of them is your ability to motivate people, and one of them is your ability to develop people. And in the virtual environment that you're describing, your ability to coach people one-on-one, -on -one, especially in light of the point you made where if they're in your office and you wanna give them some feedback or guidance, sure, you just pop over to their desk, you can walk over, but now you have to call people. Now you have to reach out to people to give them feedback. And that is something most of us aren't used to. So now your ability to, to, to give constructive and developmental feedback in a coaching capacity where you're being empathetic, you're being constructive, and you're also giving them a chance to be empowered, that is a skill set that's always been important as a leader, but in a virtual environment, that's going to be enormous as part of a leader skill set. How mm, oh, I agree a hundred percent. And I think that, um, I, I think that we need to do at least twice as much as we think we need to yeah. do just to make sure we're meeting that baseline. Um, Cause you're so right. I, I mean, personally, I, um, I've always felt like I'm better at delivering feedback when I am separated, I, which is weird um, that I feel like I'm able to do it better, not necessarily not being one-on-one. -on -one. I, I, you know, I'm not suggesting giving feedback 
via email. <laughs> um, but, you know, on the fly never really worked well for me as hard as I work to develop that. I'm just one of those people that really needs to be able to think through what I'm trying to convey, um, probably born out of a fear of hurting people's feelings, which is like the worst thing I could ever think of doing. So, um, so in, in, for me, there's like this, this benefit in not being um, present, but, um, but it still does come with its, its kind of caveat because, you know, ideally that feedback is, is delivered in a kind of, when you have the richness of in person sitting in the same room together, I think. So, Melissa, when you, you know, when you're recruiting and hiring leaders for company, one question I would have for you is, what are, what have you thought about and what are you seeing? Because when you typically get a call from a company and the company says, we have to fill a leadership position, I would imagine one of your questions is, is, you know, well, what went wrong? You know, what was it, what was it, what qualities, characteristics, and the skills does the leader, the new leader require and what didn't they have and why you let them go? So my question for you is, what do you think companies are going to come calling about? You know, we're talking about the, the future environment of, 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 of placement, of building teams, and so on and so forth. So what are you typically hearing are the needs to fill those leadership positions, and how do you think they're going to evolve? Well, you know, I, I think I would look at the companies who have worked in these environments that um, uh, have virtual platforms for the longest period of time, you know, maybe successfully done it now for 10 years or so. And the common theme among these companies is they, they empower people, you know, they're not micromanaging, um, they have an extreme amount of trust built with their, um, with their workforce. And I think that that there's a shift that's happening uh, in leadership of tomorrow really being um, even more so dependent on uh, empowering people like you've talked about developing them and really having you know trust with a capital T it's just that's so foundational as opposed to um, you know not to say there's a lack of trust per se but there is more emphasis I think put on you know how do you make sure your people are productive how do you know they're productive um, and, and I think that that shift is, is going gonna, is gonna, to um, evolve into more of, you know, how is it that you have the trust that you're empowering your people to be productive and then they are trusted to be productive. And that's not your job to worry about, are they productive? Yeah, I think you're, I think you're right again. I mean, I think that trust factor is enormous. And, you know, as we've talked about in past editions of the show, Really, you know, measuring trust is so difficult and someone's ability to garner and earn that trust. And look, I know you and I are both big fans of assessments and there's all kinds of predictive indicators you can put in place that companies can use. But at the end of the day, to really get a good vibe and understand and how to prove that someone has that ability to engage virtually and build that trust, that's a tall order. It's very difficult, especially if you are a HR person or if you work at a company and you haven't been officially trained, like if you're hiring people for your company and you don't have formal training on what to look for and how to read people and hiring, that's a tall order. Now, I think more than ever because of that hybrid skill set, wouldn't you say? Yeah, and it, you know, and I think that also the other thing that these companies who have been successful with the remote workforces, um, it, it just goes to their culture where they lead with trust. So, you know, we talk about earning trust, 
but there's an assumption of trust from the get-go and it's you know i guess for lack of a better way of saying it it would be yours to lose mm. so i go ahead I, th I think that that's a difference that I see as well, you know, going forward that, you know, it, it's, um, it's just something that's established from the beginning. And, um, you know, I, I'm hopeful that that makes life easier from uh, on a two way street for both uh, management and, and staff. Yeah, I just, boy, Melissa, I have to tell you, I used to feel that way. I just don't know anymore. You know, I, I'm a believer in the phrase, give someone the benefit of the doubt, but, but it's, a, it's a really broad phrase. Mm -hmm. And your definition of benefit of the doubt may be different than my definition. Mm -hmm. And I think in that virtual culture and environment, um, you, almost have, you almost have no choice because there is a bit more latitude you need to give because they're just not in front of you all the time and you just can't see everything you're used to seeing to help make that evaluation in a, in a quicker time frame. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think it has to do, you also have to have really clearly defined expectations. Um, and so there's no reason to be seeing everything all the time. Um, you know, in, for, for example, is it okay if somebody's working from, you know, two in the morning till six in the morning um, and then taking off to hit the beach for, you know, half of the day during while well, it's sunny outside you know in in your mind that might not be the the appropriate way to conduct yourself because you're working outside of business hours you're not available to people but in my mind you know i might not see that that's necessary and and so you know i, I just think that it's really important to be on the same page and making sure that things are spelled out in terms of what's um what what are the accepted rules uh for the company and how much latitude and leeway are, are people allowed to have? Because um, I think that ultimately people want to, you know, they want to do the right thing. They just need to know <laughs> what it is. Yeah, and you know, Melissa, I think one of the things I'm seeing too is, is this dreaded word of forecasting. You know, companies that have done well are companies that are, are very good at forecasting growth, whether that be revenue growth, employee growth, mm -hmm. um, general company growth. I, I just think we're so used to making decisions based on our forecasts, right? And so when we don't have those forecasts as clear pictures, it really makes us nervous to make a decision. And is it the right time to hire a trainer? Is it the right time to bring in a recruiter? Is it the right time to build up our leadership team? All these key questions are tough, adding salespeople. And you know, we talked about this in our last podcast. I, I think, what, and, and I love how you just talked about setting expectations. I think one of the critical aspects here is to really bucket your goals and forecast into things you can control and things you can't control. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the first step. And I think that we, we're forgetting, Melissa, we're forgetting that even when we have those forecasts, it's not like there aren't big risks in those decisions. It's not like we still don't make mistakes. So I think we're starting to forget that there's always going to be an element of risk and how do we balance that with, with an accurate forecast and an unpredictable forecast, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree 100% and I, and I can um, personally uh, empathize with what you're saying because I, I feel like, you know, we've experienced something where essentially it felt like the whole world was just coming to a stop. Yes. And, and, and so, you know, we've been, at least myself, I was just kind of frozen for a little bit 
And then, like you alluded to earlier on the call, if you know, at some point, we just have to figure out what's the new, um, the new mode of operating because we can't stay, you know, stagnant forever. So um, it's just a, you know, it's a mind shift to, um, okay, well, these, th this is the new criteria that I'm, I'm being dealt with to make decisions. So I think once we accept that, then, you know, we can just kind of get on with making decisions. We, we've always just done the best that we can with what information we have. Melissa, have you found yourself at Franklin Professional, have you found yourself already, where if you look back even two or three weeks ago, and there were some decisions that you were maybe holding off making or activities or tasks you were holding off doing, where now here we are two or three weeks later and you said, you know what, I'm doing them regardless. Mm -hmm. Have you seen some examples of that? It, yeah, I have in, in my business, you know, we, we were in the middle of a move and, um, you know, well, it's a silly example. I just said, well, there's no point in, we're not using our office space. There's no point in, you know, spending a lot of time and energy into making everything ready to go. But um, then, you know, I, I, I pulled back on that and I rethought it and said, no, we need to be ready. You know, we, we need to keep, you know, moving forward with our plans. And that's just a, you know, silly, tangible one. But I think that, um, you know, now is just the time to look at what, two things, two thoughts on this, to look at what we can be doing to be proactive but also stay, I think it, it's also important to not deny the situation we're in, you know, and, and realize that it's not the time, I, I don't believe it's the time to try to be the best fill in the blank that you can be. Right now in our world, if you can focus on being the best human you can be, you, I think you're, you're on the right path. Everything is secondary to that at this point in time. Yeah, and I think I think what's interesting about what you're saying is that you know, Melissa, you'll hear some people say, "No, I like to work at home. I prefer I prefer to work at home." Like if you're recruiting people and you're trying to understand what their wants and needs are, and you'll get all these people saying, "No, I want the flexibility of working at home." I think one of the big challenges companies are going to face is, to me, that's the wrong question. The question of whether you like working at home and whether you prefer working home and whether you want the flexibility of it, yeah, that'd be great. But are you good at it? And, and so, you know, I can speak for myself and know that I've worked at home throughout my course of my career at times, but I can tell you when I do it for a week, I'm really good at it. When I'm doing it for a month or two months, I don't think I'm nearly as productive or as effective because I am working at home. And this brings in the quantity of work versus the quality of work. And so I think what happens is a lot of people who prefer working from home prefer the flexibility because of personal demands they have in their life, which is fine. But at the end of the day, because you prefer it and because it works to be more convenient doesn't mean you can manage quantity and quality of work. Mm -hmm. And I think there's certain industries and certain professions that I think the quality of work could really suffer even if someone says they're good at working at home and that's their preference. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, I think it goes both ways, Mark, too. You know, as I'm, I, I was just absorbing what you were saying, and I find certain types of work that I do, I do much better at home. Hmm. And certain types of work that I do, 
it's better in a, in, a, in a space outside of my home to whatever that relates to. I don't know. I haven't given that a lot of thought, but, um, but I agree with you. I think that we get really hung up on remote working opportunities and the, the main crux of the issue being flexibility. And I think that flexibility is just a tip of the iceberg. There's a lot more benefit, potential benefit, and also a lot more potential caveat that we need to be addressing. And, I, and because this is a new, relatively new for us, I know, I know it's been around, virtual work's been around since like the 70s, but it hasn't been prevalent. It hasn't been widely accepted um, until more recent years. Um, I think there's a lot more unpacking of the whole scenario that we have to do uh, for for it to work really well. And I really think that it it has the potential to change our world in a lot of very positive ways. Um, but I think that we have a lot more work to do to really understand the um, the, the whole scenario. I mean, um, just just because you're not driving an hour to work or you're not sitting in your seat, you know, banging away at your keyboard for eight hours, um, it doesn't mean you can't do a good job. But we've got to be focusing on how do we make sure you're able to do a really good job wherever you are, because it, 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 that's the poten potentially where we're going. And I feel like it is where we're going. Um, I, I do see more companies potentially moving to more of a remote or more of a at least very flexible kind of model. Yeah, and I think, Melissa, what's, what's interesting too is I'm thinking about why the difference between a virtual interaction and a phone interaction. And I understand the actual definition of the difference, but wh why I'm bringing it up is because it occurred to me that if you and I are having a one-on-one -on -one meeting, I would much prefer to have a virtual interaction than a phone interaction. But what I think, what I think happens a lot of times is people want to make it virtual because leaders often feel like that guarantees attention and mm. that, that guarantees commitment to the meeting. And I think it's a problem because I can tell you that if I was in a meeting with someone and I was on the phone and I was out for a walk on a beautiful sunny day and I was walking and taking in the sun, I think I'd be more engaged in the meeting than staring at a computer screen. Yeah. You know, or if I was on my exercise bike. So I think part of, part of what we're gonna see here, I think this, this also brings up trust again. <laughs> I think people force the virtual issue in some cases when it's not necessary because it makes them feel better. Okay, well, they're there. I see them, I can trust them. Yeah. So I think that's something that's gonna have to be really balanced moving forward because I don't think virtual is always the way to go as opposed to a phone call in some cases. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think sometimes I use the terms remote or virtual kind of interchangeably. But to your point of the, you know, the face to face at whatever platform that might be on versus a phone call. You know, I, I think you're so right. It goes back to that trust and that just shift that we need to make in, in focusing on helping people to develop and be empowered to work in the way that allows them to be the most productive and and um, and produce the, the greatest quality of work that they can. And, you know, I love your idea of having a meeting while you're walking in the sunshine. I, I think that's 
you know, certainly beats fluorescent lights in a, you know, cubicle somewhere. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, 100%. And, and uh, we, we do have a little bit of work to do in shifting our sense of security around the trust, I think, um, and, and allowing that to happen. But I mean, I am very encouraged to see that, you know, I love the millennial generation for what they've done in ushering in, you know, kind of demanding better, uh, better situations, better work-life balance, more freedom to have experiences while they, you know, are able to earn a living. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm excited for the future and, and what we, what we're, what we're seeing happen here. Yeah, Melissa, a final thought for me on today is, you know, you, you talked earlier about setting expectations. And I think, look, at the end of the day, as a leader with remote workforces, what it really comes down to is, are you setting expectations? And when I say setting expectations, I don't care whether the meeting is in person, Zoom, on the phone. What I want you to tell me, if I'm in your meeting, I want you to tell me how you want me to participate. And I'm not trying to be funny about this. Like, is my participation measured by me asking questions, shaking my head in confirmation? You know, there's multiple ways people can engage and collaborate in a meeting. And I think if you set the standard of what that is, regardless of what the meeting type is, then there's much more or much less risk of that trust issue coming in play. Because if I'm on the phone with you, but I'm interjecting frequently throughout the meeting, who the heck cares if you see my face? So I think we've just, it all, communication all comes down to setting those expectations. And now more than ever with people out of sight and out of mind, we have to really sharpen those skills. Mark, I think that's such a great point. And just to bounce off, you know, my kind of last thing for today on that is, I, you, you raised a really good point about visibility. I think that, um, you know, we, we take comfort in having visibility mm. and, so, you know, without that, um, I, we have to really focus on raising things to a level of visibility. Um, so for, for example, I would, I would suggest this. With teams that are being thrust into working remotely that didn't have the opportunity to plan for it, um, if you as a manager or leader were to ask your team just make the statement that, listen, we're, we have to be diligent about over-communicating. I think that's one message I would definitely get out to the team, um, just to make sure issues um, and, you know, issues or potential issues are remaining visible. I would suggest asking everybody to keep a list on a daily basis that you can review together at least for the first, well, we'll see how much longer this is going to go, but at least for the next three or four weeks, and just say, I want to know every single challenge that you have for your day. You might not think that it's important. It might feel tedious or like this is just minutia. But um, I think it's our job as leaders to make sure that we're staying in, we're staying tuned into this and that these things are visible to us. So um, I would say inviting your teams to do that and asking uh, to review those, those items. You know, it's just taking uh, care of the business and care, taking care of them. And you know, Melissa, I've said throughout my whole career, I don't care whether someone's a man, a woman, black, white, yellow, or green, big, small, tall, skinny, fat, short, it doesn't matter. Just like it doesn't matter how people, whether it's virtual, in-person, phone, what matters is, do they get the job done? Do you have a way to measure the way the person is, that the person is getting the job done? And frankly, as long as you set standards and expectations, 
and the people meet those standards and expectations, to me, I mean, I don't mean to oversimplify it, but that's what it's about. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Mic drop. <laughs> well, thank you, Mark. Should we, uh, should we go into our accountability yes. uh, section? All right. So I think um, I think I put you on the spot last time. So I'll I'll um, uh, I'll report this time. I uh, actually found that what seemed like a daunting task of updating the website to include our remote uh, our recruitment for remote workers and being able to um, onboard them and uh, a platform you know for our customers. It, it was like a nothing thing. It just maybe took an hour to really get it get it off the ground, and then it was kind of fun for the next four hours tweaking it. And so I'm happy to report that you know we've got that out there, so at least our customers are aware of um, how easy it can be to to get folks to, to keep moving forward, keep awesome. firing. Yeah. So so how about you? Yeah. So I actually I, I, based on a pivot I was making in a change of direction, I adapted mine after the show. And so my big one was um, really learning a uh, the social media platform Hootsuite and being able to really master putting good posts together, creating a standard operating procedure for my employees to execute on it. And I not only have I done it all, um, I, I feel like um, it's, it's opened some doors and eyes for me to look into other analytics types topics that I haven't paid attention to in the past. So I was able to do it. And honestly, Melissa, for this time, I think it's my next hoop is to really um, understand LinkedIn analytics, constant contact and website analytics and know how I can make better decisions. Um, so that's kind of, I know it's kind of a really generic, but it's really to understand it enough where I can, where I can track the data um, and, and make better decisions as a result of it. That's my goal is to start tracking the data and, and reviewing. That's, that's great. That's great. I mean, I'm anxious to hear how that goes for you um, and maybe have suggestions. We could talk offline. Sure. Uh, we're in the same, same, uh, same boat. All right. Um, you know, I, I need to kind of pull back into a kind of another personal one this time. Um, I, want to send a thank you note to one person every single day for the next two weeks. Um, it's just something that I've done in the past and I don't know why it's a habit that I, um, well, I guess I run out of people. It's not, you know, that happens, <laughs> but um, I just feel like it's a way that I want to continue to connect with people with a handwritten note right now. Um, and so for the next two weeks, I'm, I'm going to just commit to one per day and, um, you know, make sure people like know it. that I'm great, grateful for them in my life. I like it. All right. Well, thanks, Melissa. Another uh, fun, fun uh, podcast. Great job. Yeah. Thanks, Mark. Great to talk with you about this stuff. I appreciate it. And thank you, everybody, for, uh, for listening and, and commenting and um, joining us in the accountability ring. I'm, I'm waiting. All right. Love it. Have a great rest of the week. Stay safe and well. You too. Thanks for joining us on the Catch Em and Keep Em podcast. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe so you don't miss us next time. In the meantime, remember that engaging your people is a daily task and recruiting is a process, not an event. If you need help, just ask. Connect directly with Melissa at franklinprofessionals.com and Mark at mindsetgo.com.